And I want you to, we've been in Colossians. I do want you to go to Colossians chapter 4. That doesn't mean we won't go back there as we go through this book of the Bible. But also get Ephesians chapter 5 with Colossians chapter 4. And God's been burning something on my heart. I've been in some wonderful meetings down in Florida and out in Texas and seeing God's people really get help and do what the Lord wants them to do with their lives and their churches and it sort of captivated my heart and my vision as well. And I, two places in the Bible, one in Colossians here and one in Ephesians, it talks about us redeeming the time. I'm convinced that the majority of people, including saved people, waste the time of their life. And we don't get it back. You know, I was always taught growing up, you shouldn't waste things. (laughs) There was one area of that mom probably could have spared us when she made me clean my plate That probably wasn't the best exercise for my life. I hate wasting things, though. I just don't want to go to waste. Well, that doesn't mean you need to eat it all. There's, but there is something very foolish about wasting things. Wouldn't you agree? And the, one of the most terrible things to waste is time because it means that we're wasting our lives. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live my life and it did not matter that I was here. You do understand if the Lord Jesus tarries is coming in 50, 60, 100 years, nobody will know that you were here or why you were here unless you did something more than just live your life. If you invested your time into eternity, there's a great missionary. You ought to look him up. His name was C.T. Studd. He was from England. He was a great sports star. His dad was very wealthy, very wealthy man. And C.T. Studd's dad got saved in a meeting with D.L. Moody and Sankey. He got saved. It changed his whole life, made a difference in his boy. And soon C.T. Studd, his son, he got saved as well. And he was this great cricket star. Now, that doesn't mean anything to us, but over there, that's, that's a big deal. Be like, you know, your prof- our professional football or something like that. And he came to the conclusion that if he lived a wonderful life, but it didn't matter for eternity, then it wasn't worth living. And he gave up his sports fame. He quit playing cricket. And he joined a group of seven that launched out into missionary work and 
He not only did that, but his fortune that he inherited, he gave it away. He gave a a big sum to George Mueller that was working with the orphans there. He gave it to other missionary works and gave some of it, I think, to even uh, Moody and his work, his school and all that. But nevertheless, he gave away all that money. And he spent the rest of his time on the mission field, and he died in the Congo. He died in Africa. And he wrote a poem that he said that he heard some words that day. It's a fairly long poem. It's, it's not short. I, I reread it today. But he said he came across, somebody told him some words that he couldn't get out of his head all day long. And then that was the basis of this poem, and you will recognize the phrase, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. I wonder how much of our time is spent in what will last. There are two verses here I want to read to you that have been on my heart. He said in Colossians chapter 4, In verse number 5, walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. And then in Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 5, the Bible says in verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Now when I think of that word redemption, there's a, There's wonderful thoughts to come to my mind. I'm redeemed. But not with silver. I'm bought, but not with gold. Redemption is something that has been purchased back. You know that. Redemption is being liberated. Being set free from the bondage that you're sold into captivity to. We speak of redemption of the soul when we speak of the saving of our souls, do we not? When we speak of being redeemed, it speaks of God's deliverance and God's rescuing of our lives. It's a wonderful thing to be redeemed. And to now have value because we've been paid for. But here he's not talking about people being redeemed. He's talking about time being redeemed. Redeeming the time. Somehow time needs to be rescued. Somehow time needs to be delivered. Time is in captivity. Are you following me? Redeeming the time, not a person, but time. What is time in captivity too? Probably vanity. Probably time would be in captivity to being employed in things that don't matter at all or wasting of it. Or living a sinful life? 
How can we rescue our time? It's fleeting. If we take one of the hourglasses and we turn them and we watch the sands. We have a hymn about that. The sands of time are sinking. And it's running out on every one of us. And somebody needs to rescue that because if we don't start doing more with our time, then the value of of eternal things will pass. Redeeming the time. In the old 1828 dictionary, it says to redeem time means to use more diligence in the improvement of it. How can you improve time? You can't make more hours in a day or more minutes in an hour, but you can improve your time. How many of us spend our time to do nothing more or nothing less than frivolous things or even good things? But they're not things for eternity. Now, I know we have to to be good moral men and people of character. We need to work a job and pay our bills. But, But brethren, if all we're doing is living life and working jobs and paying bills, then we are wasting our lives. That's not what life's about. It has to be connected with eternity. So how can we capture it? How can we redeem it? How can we set it free from our own laziness or our own inactivity? How do we go about doing that? Well, he says here in Ephesians 5 and verse 16, I think the, a phrase gives us some clue about the redeeming the time and our attitude about it. Ephesians five sixteen, redeeming the time because the days are evil. In other words, if we spend obviously our, our time and our days with evil, we are very much wasting our life. It's amazing how many young people waste the best years of their life with evil. I mean, when their mind is the clearest it'll ever be. And their body is the healthiest it'll ever be. And their slate's clean, and yet they waste all of that youth and innocence and energy on evil. It needs to be rescued. Time needs to be rescued from the days that are evil. I would say this about that little phrase. Time is in captivity to evil days and we need to rescue the moments and the days and the hours of time from the evil generation. The evil generation is squandering the, 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 the gift of time and life. And somehow we as God's people, it, though everything is trending evil, we've got to rescue and deliver and set free the moments and the days to make them worthwhile. Repaying the value of something that's been sold. How many people are selling their lives for nothing? They've sold their lives to the devil or sold their lives to the flesh. And we've got to repay that value of lost time by our effort, our influence, the talents of our lives for God. While Here's what I'm trying to say. While others get evil, we need to get busy. 
Redeeming the time because the days are evil. The more evil things get, the busier we get. We need to get the, the more, the better use of time and life we need to be diligent about. But yet so many times because of the days of evil, we, 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 have, we have different motivations. Redeeming the t- time and light of the fact that the days are evil. Redeeming the time, I would say, in the fact that our days are short. The Bible tells us our life is a vapor. It appears for a little while, and then it just vanishes away. He tells us that some people don't spend the rest of their time to the will of God, but to the lust of the flesh. You know, you only have so much time. And you don't know when yours runs out. So what are you doing with it? I bet most of those moms and dads and even little children and young people had no idea that their time had run out last Saturday. Didn't have any idea. I wonder how many plans they had. I wonder how many goals they had. I wonder how many things that they wanted to do that they, that they never get to do because they only had a certain amount of time because it is appointed, it's appointed unto men once to die and after that the judgment. Mm. I think a lot of times we live like we're, we're going to live forever down here. That Bible says the time is short. You know, he says that in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and he's talking about family problems. He's talking about marriage problems in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Go home and read it. I'm gonna go. This is not a marriage seminar tonight. but You know what he says to those people that have all, all those difficulties with marriage? He says, the time is short. As they that had wives will not have any. In other words, there's going to be a time. You're not going to be married anymore, and that time is short. You only have a short time you're going to be married. You have only a short time you're going to live. You tell that young people they don't understand it, but you tell that old people they don't understand it. Or why wouldn't we be using our time more valuably? I can't believe that in just a little over a month, Two months, I'll be 55 years old. To some of you, that's nothing. To some of you, that's like Methuselah. (laughs) You know what the truth is? You're going to follow there. If God blesses you with that chance. You turn around, you know what happens? Your body wears out. Your mind wears out. And all those things that you thought maybe you could do for eternity. Now you don't have any time to do for eternity. Because the time is short. And you didn't redeem it when you had it. You didn't capture it when you had those moments in those days. i never forget some of the times I'd sit and I'd talk with Dad. and He was laid up and he would say, Son, I just feel like I'm just no use to anybody anymore. Because disease had taken over his body and even some of his mind. And and yet, 
folks, that's, that is why we need to make use of our time for God. And a lot of times we spend all of our lives like we're never going to have dementia. Or we spend our, all of our lives like we'll never find ourselves in a nursing home. Or we're going to spend all of our lives like we'll never get cancer. Or, or we'll never be, our loved ones will never visit the graveyard. So are you trying to be morbid? No, I, I'm trying, I'm starting to think about, the, you know, I only have a certain number of years or, or moments left to preach. I don't even know what that is. My pastoring days are running out. My life's investment is running out. Boy, I better redeem the time. I I better find some way to rescue the rest of my moments and days and, and try to put them into the value of eternal things instead of just going through life, living life. We ought to enjoy living our lives, but we ought to enjoy living it for Jesus. Go to Romans chapter 13. We need to redeem the time in light of the evil days. We need to redeem the time in light of the shortness of life. Romans chapter 13. And with your other hand, would you get Luke chapter 21? Luke chapter 21, we need to redeem the time in light of the the soon return of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Romans chapter 13 and verse number 11, Romans 13, 11, and that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, For now is our salvation nearer than we believe. What was Jonah doing in the ship? He was sleeping instead of doing the will of God. What was Samson doing? He was sleeping on the knees of a harlot instead of doing the will of God. What do we do many times even as God's people? We don't know how late the hour is. Have you, you know, I don't say anymore, I slept like a baby. If you ever have a good night's sleep, say you slept like a teenager. It is a miracle how some teenagers can sleep. I'm looking at the clock. I mean, half the day's gone. I mean, what is going on? You know, there is a time that you need to get out of bed. And that's before the morning is gone. I've told you that story about Brother Earl. He's getting real spiritual. He's in bed. He's praying, oh, God, oh, God, what do you want me to do today? And Brother Earl said it was just so plain. God spoke to me and said, Earl, I'd have you get out of bed. (laughs) Now, Now, wait a minute. You know what, guys, you know what the church is doing? We're sleeping while the world's going to hell. And we're just living our lives while the rest of the world's going to hell. And God says, it's high time. 
What does that Bible say over and over? We've been preaching about it in 1 John. We've been preaching about it in the book of Jude. We, we preached about it over and over. The Bible says it is the last time. And as you've heard, any Christ shall come. We preached all that in 1 John chapter 2. We preached in Jude verse 18. There will be mockers in the last time. We emphasize all that. Saw our days and the day in which we live. He said in 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 1. In the latter times some shall depart from the faith giving heed to sedition spirits and doctrines of devil. That's the time that we live in. He said in 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 1 he said in the last days perilous times shall come and he lists all those things that are happening and we're living through all those things. He said in 2 Timothy 4 3 for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine but they'll heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. That's where we're living. Do you know the time you're living in? He said in Luke chapter 21, hold your finger there in Romans, because I'm going to read a verse in Romans 11 about Israel. In Luke 21 and verse number 24, the Bible says, and they shall fall, 21, 24 of Luke, they shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations and Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Do you understand that God's clock of time is measured by the nation of Israel? And right now we are in the times of the Gentiles. You say, how do we know we're in the times of Gentiles? Because the Gentiles are still trotting Jerusalem underfoot. You say, no, there's just Israelis there. No, there's not. You need to go to the Temple Mount. There are not Israelis on the Temple Mount. There are Gentiles on the Temple Mount. I as a Gentile have been there. The Gentiles are still going in and out of Jerusalem. Even in the place where the holy place is supposed to be. We're living in the times of the Gentiles. But the Bible tells me in Romans chapter 11. Verse number 25. For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery. Lest ye should be wise in your own conceits. That blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. And so all Israel shall be saved as it is written. There shall come out of Zion the deliverer. I'm telling you the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. I believe that. I believe I know what time I'm living in and all the events. I'm not making something, any prediction about the wars and what's going on there. I'm just saying the longer we go, we're getting closer to the coming of Jesus Christ. And if you can just see Israel, you can see the sands dripping in the hourglass of Almighty God. But here's the problem. He didn't tell us to know what time we live in. He said to redeem the time that we live in. What does it matter if we know what time we live in? We know Jesus is coming soon, but we don't do anything about it. Redeem the time. Do something about it. If, can I ask you a question? If you knew, if you knew. Now, I, I've even had somebody preach this. I don't believe this. You know, the Bible talks about the last trump. Trump's just saying. I even know a guy that preaches that there'll be, there'll be a, a trump sound for the dead in Christ, and then there'll be another trump sound for we which are alive and remain. That looks plausible. 
But he said there might be a space of time there. I don't believe, well, there's got to be some kind of space of time there. But I think it's, you know, it's a moment. It's a twinkling of an eye time. That's what I think. wonder what would happen if the dead in Christ rose and God gave you an hour. Just saying. What would you do? What would you do with that time? Would you call somebody? Would you go tell somebody you were sorry? Would you get on your knees and talk to the Lord about something? You know what that is? That's called redeeming the time. We don't know the hour our Lord comes. Nobody can predict that, that day or that hour or that moment. But somebody that redeems the time, instead of knowing they're living in the last days, they live their life in light of the fact that it could be today. You know the terror in Israel is not just all the horrible stuff going on. You know what one of the terrors is? They didn't get to say bye. They didn't get to tie up loose ends and details. Horrible thing. You know what all you had? We got some of the craziest people in our country that, that'll get on there and, and, and if anybody says anything but says to Israel, go sick them, they, got, they, have, got a, they have got a serious devilish problem. Yeah. Guys, I tell you what, this week I was over there at Missions Conference and, and I'm just, I'm so beside myself. I, you know, I tell you, I can't even tell you. There was an I, a former IDF soldier in the church. I was preaching Missions Conference in last week. And it's, he's a Jew. And as soon as all that happened, his buddies start texting him back. He had pictures. He didn't show me the pictures, but the things that he said were so heinous that I can't even say the words. Beyond the decapitation of children and babies and burning people. Guys, it was worse than that. You've not heard all the story. You talk about devilish. You can't get more satanic than what was than what's happened there. Oh, the enemy's turned loose. You say, why are you telling that story? I tell you that story for this reason. Because we need to redeem the time, not just because the days are evil and our time is short, and because we're living right before the coming of the Lord. But we need to redeem the time because of the fleeting opportunities that we have. Do you know? Brother Farley got up and he said, you know what? I sure am glad that God got our paperwork approved a month ago to get stuff in and out of Israel. And he, they have been sending stuff in and out of Israel for all these weeks before the... Guys, I wonder if we've redeemed the time and took advantage of the opportunity to reach a soul before they go out into eternity.
You know what else they did? They, they sent out, they, they've been sending out all this stuff to Ukraine before. Guys, you know what? We are, we're always playing catch up. We're always behind, we're always behind, the, behind the, the eight ball. We're trying to catch up. Oh, let's do something about Ukraine. The time to do something about Ukraine was to seize the moment and do it before you can't get in. We sit around and we just, oh, what can I do? Well, you can take advantage of the opportunities you have. Well, what opportunities? Well, you can, you can be a witness where you are. I tell you what, a lot of us don't take the opportunities to witness. We, we don't. You, you say, well, preacher, why, why do we go to the street corner? Why do we hold signs? And why do we have times we pass? We're trying to take our time and do something with it besides just go out to eat. Right. We're trying to make a difference with an opportunity in somebody's life before we don't have that opportunity. Has anybody noticed how freedom is fading? You know, if we're not careful... We'll be meeting underground, amen, if Jesus doesn't come in 20 years if we're still living. And we'll say, you know what? I wish we had you know, the back in the good old days when we could have passed out tracks and preached on the street. And now if we go out there, they'll cut our head off. Oh, if I just, if I'd have redeemed the time that I had. With the opportunity that I had. To tell somebody about Christ, to try to reach a soul. Not wait till later, not wait till they're dead, not wait till war's broken out, not wait till I don't have any freedom anymore. But now while I have the opportunity, we have such a changing world, we have a dying world. I tell you what, if they start dropping nukes and bombs, and Jesus talks about the time of harvest, Matthew 13, 30. And then in Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 20, the prophet talked about the harvest is past and the summer is ended. And right now, God says, is the accepted time. And we don't have the convenience to wait on a convenient time to do something for God because there is no convenient time. Paul said that. He said, I tried to get Apollos to come to you, but he said he'd come to you when he had a convenient time. There's never a convenient time. Redeeming the time but by our activity. My heart got really, really... I just I think guys, guys, I think things are not just closing out for me. I think things are closing out for the world. And I'm thinking, God, what can I do with the time that I've got? I was sitting down with Brother Fleur in Florida, and Brother Tim looked across and he said, You know, he just said this in fleeting. He said, You know, what 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 could we do if each of our churches just adopted a country? And flooded it with the gospel. Just, I'll get this country. I heard him say that. Say, yeah, that'd be a good idea. Didn't say anything else. I got in the next missions conference. And man, God is just saying, wonder where the next Ukraine is. Wonder where the next Israel is. You, you better get on the stick, boy. You've got, you've got time right now, but you may not have it tomorrow. I started praying. I texted Brother Tim. I said, Brother Tim. You've got a press. 
we've got you got all those Spanish Bibles. We're about a three-hour flight from any Central American, four-hour flight from most uh, northern, southern, South American countries. Why don't we pick out a country together and bombard it with the gospel? He said, I believe that'll work. So, I don't need, would you pray with me about that? There's a country somewhere right now waiting for us to put boots on the ground. You see that? But we need to redeem the time in another way. Not just by our activity. We got to prepare, but by our learning. We got to learn. We got to make some preparation. Every one of you, if you have a smartphone, you ought to put on that smartphone one thing that God will appreciate. Duolingo. Five minutes a day, you can learn a language. I was over there in that meeting, and I got burned about something else. As I'm telling you, I'm tired of wasting time. I don't know how much I got. I'm going to give it the best shot I got. The Lord says, well, you know all about Greece. And we, by the way, we've got a, a guy coming to our missions conference that's going to take over the work in Thessaloniki. But praise God for that, he and his family. He says, you've got all these things. You know, you talked to Brother Knox about four years ago about going to Corinth with the gospel. And you never did anything about it. Just all talk. How much we do is just all talk. You know Corinth, where you get Corinthians in your Bible, is still a city today. It's a modern city. And there's no preacher. And there's no witness. And there's no church there of any kind. Now, it's not like Thessaloniki, where we live for, for a year, or, or with two and a half million people, but it's 60,000 people. Let me ask you a question. If we got enough churches together and landed in Corinth and we all walked in the city of 60,000 preaching and you think that might turn something upside down? Or, or, or are we going to plan our next vacation? You see where we are? Or are we going to plan the next toy that I want to buy? Or the next... Uh, the YouTube video that I want to watch or the next shopping trip that I want to have or the next family out. And there's nothing wrong with any of those things, but they don't last. They're not eternal. They're nothing sinful about it, but it doesn't last. And when you're dead and gone, nobody will care. But the Lord will care if you take the gospel to a whole city. How about that? I told a few people about that, just that missions conference. I got so many people, they're, they're, they're wanting right now. So I said, all right, let's just go ahead. I'm tired of waiting. 2025, we're going to go to Corinth with the gospel. Amen. I don't know how it's going to happen, but we're going to do it. So you know what I'm on? I'm on getting back to what I said. Redeeming the time. Now, I learned Romanian, but I just know how to say, you know, Yasis in Potakalo and... Jesus Prota and Yakovadis Colasi, which means Jehovah Witnesses go to hell. I know how to say that. 
Because everybody in Greece, when you give them the when you give them a track, they think you're a JW. So I learned all that. But as far as sitting down and have, so you know what I'm doing. Every day, every day since the last missions conference, I've been learning Greek. It's better than playing chess. You, you see what I'm saying? Guys, it's better to learn how to get to the fifth level of the fourth palace and getting the cherry at the top. By the way, Duolingo will even give you cherries and stuff like that if you do. Isn't that more valuable? Then traveling everybody, everywhere and taking a picture and putting on the internet, you know, everything you do in your life that nobody cares about. Right. <laughs> and that won't help anybody get out of hell. Right. Good and then I saw some people that, how else can I redeem the time, Lord? I, I can redeem it by my activities, missions, trips, and witnessing where I can, where I am, and I can do it by my learning, preparing my heart so I'll actually be able to talk to somebody and make a difference in somebody's life. And I think I can do it with my giving. I really do. I saw the testimony of of Colombians that without the sacrificial giving of people would not have had a church building at all. I think about Brother Tim Scott. He got so excited. He sent me 150 pictures and videos of, of what all that $10,000 did down in Grenada. All. Yeah. And I'm like some of you. I said, Lord, you know, I'm about tapped out with this thing. Come on now. I feel some of you. I'm about tapped out. How can I redeem the time? How can I capture the ability to do more in my giving? Hey, guys, I'm not, I'm not playing a pity party, but man, I'm giving like 40% of my salary to missions. And I say that just because I want you to know how important it is to me. But it ain't enough. It's not enough. So, Lord, what else can I do? And, you know, the Lord's like, well, what do you have? You know, that's what he said to Moses, what do you have? Well, I got a rod. Well, throw it down. I'll use what you got. Guys, do you know that in this country, it wouldn't take much. We We won't be able to give anything ever again. We could become like every other country that's just trying to keep us and our families from starving to death. And if you don't think that can happen in America, you're just not really clued in. Famine, the judgment of God, war. You say, where are the strongest? You don't understand when God decides to make a nation fall, it falls. And He sets them up and brings them down. And we live our time like that's never going to happen. But right now, we, we, have the, we, we can do something. So I said, Lord, I'm about tapped out. What can I do? And how can I help 
our church family do. He said, well, what do you know how to do? You know, I really think, I think if we can give something to God to see, just to see if he'll bless it. What are you good at? I preached on knitting. Can you knit? Amen. Not going to embarrass her. We got somebody. We, we got, a, we got a, a mother in this church with children that knit stuff or, or make stuff and sells it so she can give the missions. And you know what? God's blessed it. You'd be surprised what God will bless if it'll all be for him. You say, well, I've tried businesses and it didn't work. Well, why don't you try it and commit it to God and see if he'll bless it? Can you flip cars? How many people flip cars and they flip them for themselves? Why don't you say, all right, Lord, I'm going to flip this one for you and see what a good deal you get. How about real estate? How about some of you guys getting together, amen, and I'll even help you. I can't build anything, but, but flip a house. Y'all don't get, what can I do? I said, God, I can't do any of that. He said, you can cook food. Can I cook food? I don't even know how that's going to work, but if God will help me, I'll start cooking food. I got to figuring. My son told me what they were selling, a little bitty barbecue sandwich at the Fiddler's Convention for. Was it $10? $10-$15 for a sandwich? I could cook twice a month and make two grand a year and stick it in the missions. If God will bless it, if he didn't bless it, then... But guys, look, look, a lot of times things don't get blessed because we're stepping out there for ourselves. We're not stepping out for eternity. I'm just throwing things out. I'm just trying to say time is running out. Can we redeem the time? The days are evil. He said, walk in wisdom toward them that are without redeeming the time. That was Colossians. We are supposed to redeem the time because of all those people that are outside that are without the grace of God and without the good ship of Zion and without the Savior, the Lord Jesus. And we need to take advantage of every opportunity, every ability, every talent, every moment that we have, every opportunity because people that are outside of the grace of God walk in wisdom toward them without redeeming the time and do something for eternity instead of playing cricket with your life or spending your you know if C.T. Studd had spent all of his inheritance on himself and had a great career as a professional athlete you wouldn't know anything about him Because nobody cares about somebody that was a professional athlete in the late 1800s. But we're talking about C.T. Studd tonight because he said, I want to take the time I've got and I want it to count for eternity.